My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. The sheer number and vigor of fights over language laws in Quebec deserves its own chapter in any Canadian history textbook. These fights have been happening periodically since, well, basically since the moment French became the province's official language back in 1974. The fights have been angry and emotional, but they have also been strange and technical, hinging on things like the order of words or the size of letters on signage. But every fight is the same fight. Francophones and politicians who represent them are attempting to enshrine the use of French in Quebec for all time. Anglophones and native speakers of other languages are trying to make sure they can navigate the institutions that are necessary to living in the province. And now, into this perpetually uneasy truce, the provincial government has tossed a new bomb. This Bill 96 is threatening to uh, destroy the social fabric, the harmony that we've lived with for so long. Bill 96 is the most far-reaching language reform Quebec has seen in a long time. It is set to pass before the government breaks for summer. If you listen to the government, it is necessary to combat a decline they've been seeing in native French speaking. If you listen to the thousands of Quebecers who have taken to the streets and the internet to scream about it, it will do everything from cost businesses millions of dollars, screw up the education of young students, insult Quebec's indigenous population, and prevent people from receiving critical things like diagnoses from their doctors in their native tongues. And so, Quebec finds itself digging in for another round of the language wars. Here's what that looks like and what it means from inside the province. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Christopher Reynolds is a Montreal-based reporter for the Canadian press. Hey, Christopher. Hello. I want to cover this topic uh, not only for our listeners in Quebec, but we've had a few requests uh, from people outside of the province who have heard um, some very disturbing things, at least according to them, about Bill 96. So I want to get into it, uh, and I know you've been covering it. So maybe just begin with, where did Bill 96 come from? How did it get here to the point where uh, it's very close to becoming law? Yeah, Bill 96, this act... uh a set of reforms to the Charter of the French Language. This was introduced last May, but it carries strains of another bill that was introduced under the minority uh, Parti Québécois government in 2013. 
Uh, and also, uh, it has some elements of a 2008 bill from the same party that would have imposed stricter language rules around the use of French on small businesses. So the, some of the ideas that are in this bill have been circulating in Quebec for some time. And then, of course, language is a perennial issue in this province. And um, if sovereignty is off the table, which it is according to many polls uh, in Quebec, then this is one avenue to play on the, on the idea of French identity and concerns around the perceived decline of French without going so far as, you know, proposing separation. I know that this is a very general question, and we can start here and sort of dig into the specifics as they come. Um, but what is in the bill and how broad is it? This is a very broad bill. So it basically is uh, a set of provisions that would reform the country's signature language law that was passed in 1977 under Premier uh, René Lévesque then, uh, which was known as Bill 101. Uh, so Bill 96, it is basically a bill that reaches into many corners of Quebec society. It would impose tougher language requirements on workplaces and on municipalities. Uh, it seeks to limit the use of French in the courts and public services. It grants powers of search and seizure without a warrant to Quebec's language regulator. Wow. And it, it also aims to cap enrollment on English junior colleges, CEGEPs, where students would also have to take more courses in French. So it really touches justice, workplace, uh, education, healthcare, all different aspects of uh, the province. Before we talk about specific examples and the criticism of this bill, what is it intended to do? Um, sell it to me the way the government is selling it to voters. Yeah, Premier Francois Legault has said that this piece of legislation is critical to protect the French language amid, again, what is seen to be a slow decline in French. And this idea of a French decline has at least a foothold in, in fact, the proportion of Quebecers speaking only French at home declined by about 1.6 percentage points between 2011 and 2016 to roughly 71.2%, according to uh, Statistics Canada in its, its census that year. But the percentage of the province's people who spoke French, but not necessarily exclusively at home, increased marginally over the same period. So the idea of French decline, regardless of to what extent that is true, is behind uh, this bill and the reasons cited by the Coalition Avenir Québec, the Premier's party, uh, for, for putting it forward. How is it being received within the province? And, you know, I'll preface that by saying I know you covered protests in Montreal this past weekend. Well, while... A lot of politicians are wary to criticize this bill. Uh, there are thousands who are against it, uh, thousands of protesters who took to the streets just this past Saturday uh, to demonstrate against what they thought were infringements on their education rights, on their uh, justice rights. So we have students, we have new Canadians, there are longtime Anglophone residents, uh, law professors. Uh, these are folks who are concerned about their uh, about their access to English language education, about their access to uh, justice in English, about uh, even changes to the constitution, the, the federal constitution that are put forward in this bill. So we have a lot of folks who are wary of it. There are more than a million people in Quebec who are identified as either uh, Anglophone 
or allophone, that is, neither English nor French is the native language, the mother tongue spoken at home. So this bill would seem to cap some of their their use of that language, and those are the folks who are a little bit wary of it, and in some cases protesting against it, and several protests over the past month. Let's talk about some of the specific things in the bill um, that various critics and organizations are warning about. Before I ask for some examples, I want to jump back to, uh, you mentioned seizure without a warrant, which is always a scary term. Uh, How does that come into play in this bill? Yeah, this bill allows the Quebec language regulator, the uh, Office Québécois de la langue française, to simply on, in some cases, a tip from a third party who wasn't even part of an interaction with a government service to search and seize documents and materials from, for example, uh, a hospital if it was overheard that uh, a doctor might what was interacting with a patient, for example, in a language uh, other than French in a scenario where that wasn't required. Or the same thing could happen, for example, in theory, at a, just a license bureau when you're renewing um, your driver's license. Uh, there are also concerns about what the uh, so-called language police could do uh, when it comes to seizing documents from workplaces. If they receive tips from someone who felt that they didn't receive, uh, they didn't receive French service, uh, and service can include anything from brochures and pamphlets to actual oral communication, then again, warrantless search and seizure is a possibility outlined mm. in this bill. So there are, there are real concerns around potential justice violations that would seem to go against Section 8 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, or at least that's what critics say. That is the section that guards against unlawful search and seizure. But this bill also preemptively invokes the notwithstanding clause, mm. which basically means rights to equality are set aside uh, as allowed under the Charter. In terms of the scenarios that could come up under this bill, what are some examples you can give me uh, in terms of just, you know, daily life, work, uh, interacting with the government that would change uh, when this bill becomes law? Well, one thing this changes is that it applies the threshold for having French permeate all corners of the workplace to uh, any business with 25 or more employees rather than any business with 50 or more employees. This is called a uh, francisation uh, certificate, basically acknowledging that French is spoken uh, and, and in use throughout a workplace. So that means that workplaces, you know, relatively small businesses, would have to make sure they can uh, draw up contracts and documents uh, that are uh, legal documents in French. In some cases, they would have to form francisization committees Hmm. if they are required to do so by the language regulator. And these all involve expenses uh, that the Montreal Chamber, Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce uh, head, Michel Leblanc, warns could cost uh, businesses millions of dollars. Uh, There are also interactions with uh, the court system. For example, uh, while access to justice is guaranteed under the uh, Canadian Constitution in either language in Quebec, this bill says that judges no longer need to be bilingual and that uh, all court uh, submissions and decisions would need to be in French or translated into French. So uh, while the government has uh, tried to reassure Anglophone and Allophone Quebecers that they will still be able to access justice in French, there are a lot of folks who are skeptical about that because if a judge isn't bilingual, 
how will that justice be guaranteed, or if they're simply you know, doing court filings, it might require uh, a translator to be paid for that interaction. In that sense, uh, various levels of interaction in Quebec society will be, will be impacted. I want to make sure that we discuss healthcare here because this is, I think, where the bill has made the most noise outside of Quebec. And certainly a couple of the pieces that I read raised the specter of doctors not being able to speak uh, in English with Anglophone patients or, you know, in other languages that they may happen to speak with people who also uh, would prefer services in those languages. And, you know, that's a pretty scary thing when you're talking about diagnosis, treatment, uh, etc. What's true about that, and and how does the government respond? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to think of anything more critical to effective healthcare than just effective communication between patient and doctor. Right. So, Bill ninety six critics insist prohibits health service, written or not, in English, with certain exceptions. Not not simply guaranteeing. French access, but prohibiting English. And that, uh, critics say, would apply to everyone from nursing home staff to uh, long-term care workers to to doctors. Now, in an amendment that recently was applied to the bill, English is guaranteed, the, the, the right to English service in health and social services, but that doesn't include mental health care or youth services. And critics say that um, the language is vague, and that only really seems to apply to emergencies or, or life and death situations rather than more um, mundane or day-to-day interactions in health and social services. Hmm. And moreover, there are concerns about what is actually meant by the right to English services by Anglophones or so-called historic Anglophones. That language seems to include immigrants who have been here any time longer than six months or also anyone who doesn't have access to French education, which is defined by folks who attended school in English or whose siblings or parents attended uh, school in English in Canada. So for example, someone who immigrated decades ago from Central Europe, but who didn't actually receive schooling in English in Canada, though is more comfortable in English, wouldn't necessarily have access to healthcare services in English. And this is not just something that can be easily overridden by bilingual doctors across the province because hospital CEOs would be accountable for ensuring these laws uh, are upheld in day-to-day interactions and could be liable if the uh, language regulator were to investigate and find that there were violations of Bill 96. So despite assurances from the premier and the minister responsible for the French language in Quebec uh, that uh, there is disinformation out there and that Anglophones will be able to access service healthcare and social services in English. There are real concerns voiced by everyone from the head of the law faculty at McGill University, Robert Leckie, to uh, various healthcare advocates. When you say they could be found liable, um, what are the punishments for not following this bill? Like, are we talking about doctors being fined for providing English services, um, being criminally cited? Like, what's the penalty here? The violations would not be criminal, but there are penalties that range up to $30,000, I believe. Uh, but there are penalties for violations of the act that range into the tens of thousands of, of dollars. And that would apply to uh, government 
services institutions, as well as uh, to businesses and the individuals behind those businesses. So there are, uh, it's not just a slap on the wrist, yeah. but a, a real penalty people could feel in their, in their pocketbook. I'm going to ask a big picture question, again, for our listeners outside of the province. I think um, there's kind of an understanding among people who aren't very familiar with Quebec or haven't spent a lot of time in the province that the province has always been like this, right? There's there's crazy language laws that create some strange one-off situations all in the, the name of the greater good of protecting the French language. How is this bill different from that? This bill does seem to go further, and that is the purpose than the well-known, famous or infamous uh, Bill 101, which was really, which really set the standard as the province's signature language law back in 1977 under Lebec. This, rather than simply ensuring French as the official language of the province and acknowledging it as the common language that is uh, spoken in the civil service of, of Quebec, really restricts the use of English uh, in a way the critics uh, allege is not just unjust, but in a sense drawing on outdated ideas of uh, the dynamic between Anglophones and Francophones. You know, in, in the 70s and the 60s, there were genuine and well-founded concerns about Anglophone uh, dominance in the business community and sort of a separate strata of society that was privileged and elite. Hmm. Since then, or at least currently, Anglophones have a slightly higher unemployment rate and have a median income that is slightly below that of Francophones. And also many more Anglophones and the children of the Anglophones of that uh, previous generation are bilingual. They're not just cut off from the rest of society, but much more integrated, critics of this bill say. But it's true that language issues in this province, like issues of identity, are perennial. But this bill really seeks to go further, for example, with uh, caps on enrollment in English CEGEPs at 17.5% of the total of uh, CEGEP enrollment. CEGEP students are worried because the new law would require uh, English speakers to take uh, three additional language instruction courses in French, but it's allophones who would be required to take three core courses in French um, on top of uh, other courses in French that is at English CEGEPs that prompts concerns around a sort of uh, dual stream English CEGEP program that also forces allophone students, but not historic Anglophones, to take a French proficiency exam at the end in order to, to graduate. And that would be an example of restricting the use of English and the spread of it. So far, we've talked about, you know, the Anglophone-Francophone dynamic, and we've also talked about uh, new immigrants to Quebec. I want to make a point to ask, um, there are indigenous languages spoken in Quebec that have been spoken there for much longer than French has. Uh, what would this bill do for them, and uh, what do indigenous leaders say about it? That's a great question, and uh, a request by indigenous leaders to explicitly exempt them uh, from this new law, uh, the provisions of Bill 96, was rejected by uh, the CAC, the Coalition Avenue Quebec. Wow. Indigenous leaders are concerned about the effects of the law. You know, uh, Kenneth Deer, an Indigenous rights activist from the Mohawk, Mohawk Nation at Ganawage near Montreal, uh, said just last Saturday during the protest that uh, we are being recolonized again. He said, uh, we don't force you to learn our language. Don't force us to learn yours. Yeah. I spoke with uh, Grand Chief Sky Deer of the Mohawk Council of Ganawage 
last week, and she said that demanding young people master a third language, French, uh, carries colonial overtones, would make it harder for young people to succeed. Fair enough. You know, doctors, lawyers, nurses, some of these provisions on French language proficiency uh, apply to these orders, these professional orders. And that also, uh, she says, makes it more difficult for young people to flourish uh, within Quebec, especially in communities where English is often the language uh, more, more spoken. That doesn't apply to all First Nations communities in Quebec, of course, but uh, to some Indigenous ones, particularly near Montreal. There are real concerns about this, uh, about this law for First Nations communities. And despite everything that we've talked about so far, everything I know indicates this is going to pass, right? It's a majority government. This bill is going to become law. What happens next? You already mentioned the notwithstanding clause is kind of pre-invoked. So, like, what are the options for what happens after this? Yeah, there is a majority government under Francois Legault's CAC in the National Assembly, and this is expected to pass, Bill 96, uh, before the Assembly, the legislature, rises for the summer. So, uh, while there are ongoing protests against the law, a lot of critics seem to have effectively accepted that it is going to pass with limited revisions. And I think the next step that is anticipated is court challenges. The notwithstanding clause does rule out certain grounds for uh, complaint or resistance in the courts, but uh, not all not all of them, particularly language grounds uh, for minorities, and Anglophones are a minority within the province of Quebec. Uh, and there are also constitutional elements here at play, uh, for example, this law states uh, that it attempts to change the Constitution itself to say that Quebec is a uh, nation and French is its uh, common language. But traditionally, any kind of constitutional revision requires, at a minimum, uh, approval from uh, Parliament, that is the House of Commons, the Senate, as well as the province's legislature itself. So not it's not clear whether all of these provisions easily uh, just pass seamlessly into effect. There will be court challenges almost almost certainly on several fronts against this bill. And I think that is the next front of protests by, by critics. This is my last question, and it's just because I realize I didn't ask it already. Is this going to affect your job? What about, uh, what about journalists and publications in Quebec? <laughs> uh, you know, I do work in a workplace that has uh, more than 25 employees, uh, but... I realize, I realize, Jordan, I'm not sure uh, to what extent there are exemptions for English language media, and uh, I would have to research that, and it would probably be in my interest to do so. Chris, thank you so much for your time, and I hope that you are not caught up uh, in Bill 96, and much appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much for having me, Jordan. Christopher Reynolds of the Canadian Press. That was The Big Story. For more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. Write to us via email, hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca. I feel like we're probably going to get some angry emails on this one. Um, I welcome them. This is an emotional topic. I've spent a lot of time in Quebec. I know how these laws can change everybody's daily lives in small ways. It's what's so fascinating about them. You can also call and yell at me on the phone. 416-935-5935 if you really have a beef about Quebec's new language laws on either side or you can just ask us a question or suggest a topic this topic 
was suggested by three different listeners. So we did it as fast as we could. You're most welcome. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a great long weekend. We'll talk Tuesday. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now.